Welcome to Transcending Identity. I'm your host, Nicole Lee, and I am thrilled to be your guide on this incredible journey of self-discovery and transformation. This podcast is designed to help you connect deeper with yourself and transcend the identities, beliefs, and environments that may be holding you back from living your best life. I speak with incredible people from around the world who share their stories of transformation, transcendence, and triumph. From entrepreneurs to spiritual teachers, athletes to activists, you'll learn how they overcame obstacles and reached new heights in their lives. I will also share my personal stories, insights, and tools along the way. By listening to this podcast, I hope you feel seen, supported, and inspired to live your best life. Thanks for spending time with me today. Your time to transcend starts now. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 10 of Transcending Identity. I hope you are well. In this episode, I met with Susan Misha Elis, hailing from Germany. Susan was a former professional athlete and now CEO and founder of Conwent's Optimal Performance, where she serves as a health scientist, leadership coach, and consultant. Susan shares her personal journey of overcoming her challenges with self-worth, burnout, and an eating disorder. She explains how she eventually found her way back to herself and discovered the importance of aligning with success rather than forcing it. Susan now helps individuals and organizations tap into their full potential by focusing on holistic well-being and finding their true identity and values. In this episode, I hope it inspires you to reflect on your own journey, recognize the strength within, and actively choose to align to your true self and values, embracing the power of belief and never underestimating the potential you hold within. Hey, Susan, how are you? Hey, Nicole, I'm good. Thanks for having me. And uh, guten Abend from Germany. (laughs) I'd love to start with asking, who are you? That's a pretty big question. And I would say even a year ago, I would freak out over this. But for now, I really can say I am whoever I want to be. But as I said, that wasn't uh, the case in forever. But for now, yeah, I am whoever I want to be. That's really powerful. And you mentioned that that wasn't the case in the past. I'm curious, let's talk a bit about the past. Where were you at a point that you didn't believe that you could be whoever you wanted to be? Oh, yeah. I hope I don't roll back too far down the hill. But to say a bit about my background, I've grown up in Germany and some of the ideas of German people are true. very hardworking and uh, uh, yeah, kind of conservative. And that was me growing up in a household like that and becoming in a very early age a professional athlete on a sports elite school. And yeah, I was like really into this idea of like becoming an Olympic athlete and really like outperform everyone because I was the smallest child and I was the only girl. And like, seriously, no one ever listened to me. You know what I meant? Like, I was like, always like, you're the girl, be silent. Everyone was kind of overstepping me, overseeing me. Then I was introduced by my neighbor. She was an Olympic bronze medal medalist in Barcelona, I guess, back in the 90s into handball. 
And I was like, wow, that's my opportunity. And this is my moment to shine. And I was really talented and I was so hardworking. And I thought this would be my identity. Like this would be it, you know? And of course you're influenced on what your parents like. So my parents really come from a background from uh, my grandparents were refugees in Second World War, so they basically had nothing. And my dad was a really, really hard worker. And that was kind of what I've grown up with. And I seen, okay, if you really work hard and dedicated and you're not complaining, <laughs> then you make it far. So that was my route. And I always really was sticking with kind of the self-concept other people had for me. Yeah, I was going all in. And actually, that brought me to my first burnout with 14, having a severe eating disorder, numerous injuries, pain, I couldn't move. So life was really like showing me the way. <laughs> and um, like that is actually that I'm running after something that is like not me. And I think since then, I run into like a lot of you want to call it ego death or like identity death <laughs> I don't know and I always kind of was like this was like really a big search for me like who am I what the heck am I doing here I always had like this huge like pull I thought like I'm here like to do something big but I have no clue what and I was like really chasing a career and chasing the sports and I always thought like, okay, now I got it. Now I have it figured out. So that's the way. Yeah. And it kind of crushed me every time <laughs> alongside that journey. I could only imagine. You mentioned at 14, you had experienced burnout already mm -hmm. and an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable going into a bit of what that experience was in the eating disorder? Yeah, sure. Like, I'm glad you're asking. I'm an open book and I'm like really helping a lot of like clients and like youth professional athletes and girls in that area. And it's so important to talk about it because I think there's so many blind spots still today in professional sports. You know, like everyone is like right now there's like the the world championships, you know, in, in, uh, in track and field in Hungary is kind of the neighbor state of Germany. And Everyone is just like looking for the medals and looking for their moment to shine, but no one's really like focusing on even talking about the blind spots or like the really the way in between. What did it take for us athletes? Um, even when you mentioned like uh, the Olympic Games, no one is really recording the four freaking years in between these events and how much pressure is on you to perform on point this is like a needle point you know like four years and you have to be on top of the top in this very moment and this is like so much pressure because everyone is just judging you by this one moment and like i was always i wouldn't say a chubby kid but like more of the athletic side like not mm -hmm. really slender but yeah, I mean, like handball is a very competitive physical sport, kind of football. So you can't be that slender. Like it's, it's tough, you know. And I was like, 
okay with me and my body like every kid is i never seen like even with my with my daughter like i never seen a kid complaining or even thinking about that something isn't right with their bodies yeah they're usually not self-conscious it's usually someone else that makes them yeah, self-conscious exactly and the same was with me until i came to sports delight school and then you run this is like uh where all the olympic athletes kind of were built over the years and you have of course a huge medical team and when I had my first assessment, then you run several tests. You run physical tests. You go to the doctors. He or she takes all the measurements. And I remember me being, I guess, like eight or nine, going to the doctor's office, and and she's taking like the measurements. And then she's kind of giving me the look, and she's like, "Oh, girl, you know that athletes doesn't look like that. You really make sure you get rid of that baby fat, you know, oh, like this, wow. this chubby thing around your waist and here and then, you know, if you want to compete with the others, like you really got to work on that. And I was like, I was like shocked. And this was kind of the first moment I questioned or even started second guess my own self-concept. And then it was kind of a, my mom is a very slender, always put together. And then she started kind of comparing me to my other teammates. And she was like, oh, maybe you shouldn't, ha shouldn't have that second grab of food or, oh, you have a game tomorrow. Maybe you do this, maybe you do that. And that was kind of my journey in that. And because I want to fit in, I want to, I wanted to pursue this dream and I had no idea being a kid. I was still a kid at that time. I had no idea what was right or wrong. I was just looking and like what the others were telling me. And yeah, and that, that was kind of where I started questioning myself and my weight and even this self-worth issues grown. Like, am I good enough? And you're always in comparison with the teammates. And this is like a thing you always come like you get you get measured and compared almost every day how good you are. Are you good enough to play from the start? Are you good enough to become like the leading player or whatever? And um, I was that for a long while. But being that there comes pressure losing the title. And then I remember this one lunch break. We have like a huge area where everyone grabbed their food and there were like the bathrooms next to it and I remember walking to the bathrooms after lunch and before a next training session and I heard like a girl throwing up and I was like oh my gosh and I was waiting in front of the, the like her door for her to get out and she was getting out wiping her mouth and I was like oh my god are you okay should I like call a nurse or something and she was like giving me that smile and and said like, oh girl, of course I'm okay, but this is just what you're going to do, what you have to do. We have a competition like this weekend, so I can't get fat. What are you talking about? And I was like standing in shock. She was actually a, a, a gymnast. This sport is kind of like more a thing for like physique and um, like, you know, like dancing and, and, and gymnastics and all that. And she was like in gymnastics and I was like, what the heck? So not only were you having challenges of that self-concept for yourself, then you got exposed to how people were balancing their own weight mm -hmm. or physique or perception, right, of healthiness. Yeah. Did that lead you down the, the track of the eating disorder? Yeah, and I was kind of 11 or 12 at that time. 
And as I said, I had this, this really big pain point of no one's taken me for serious in my family. And when you're that young, when you're basically a kid, all you want is approval. And you mm -hmm. want approval from your loved ones. And I wanted that no matter what it costs. And when you're a kid or even a young teen, you don't think of consequences. This is just not how it is. And I was like, okay, I got a problem. They are telling me I'm the problem. My weight is the problem. So now I got presented with an easy solution. So I started that and I started being bulimic. Everyone started to giving me more approval. And they were like praising me for how good in shape I am, what a disciplined athlete I am. They see a bright future for me. So I got really kind of applause for this new coping strategy. So I didn't see a point of changing it. And it was kind of normal. No one really was bothered by it. So it, it went on for a while. But I have to say that it was going down for me. Like I felt miserable. I felt with every time I threw up and I washed my face in the mirror afterwards, I couldn't barely look myself in the eye no more because mm. I was so disgusted by myself. But at the other time, I didn't want to let go of this big dream everyone's given me applause for. And so that like a downward spiral began and I really felt more and more empty inside. And I start struggling and getting up in the morning, working hard for the dream be became even harder. And that's where I kind of threw hardcore into the wall and I got, my, got into the first burnout. And my parents took me off of that school then. And I kind of started a normal life. But this self-worth issue and even this eating disorder still, till college was part of my life. All I knew is at that time that I want to change things. It's not about the sport no more. It's about how can I fix me again? And then I, after, after graduation, like I became a health scientist and I really started to dig deep. I wanted answers. What happened to me? Why did I act this way? What would be a healthier way like how to do it but still my whole idea was circling around how to become worthy in a way because I thought I was I wasn't worthy and at that time the eating disorders began there were some like family issues too with me like getting like a physical how did you say it abuse in a way Mm -hmm. So really, my outer world was tell was screaming at me, "Hey, you're not good enough," and that was my belief for so very long. And my motivation to get like become a health scientist was really, firstly, to to find a way to make myself better. That was like focusing on optimum performance for a long time of my journey was really about how can I become better because it was out of a lack mentality, so to say, because yeah. I always still always felt that I wasn't good enough deep down in my core. Yeah, it was like a carryover, right? It, it became yeah. a, a new way of finding some level of validation yeah. that you couldn't find anymore, say, in the sport, but that performance part of you, the, the validation, the outside world 
part was still driving while also it sounds like there was even a tug of the heart though of the curiosity of mm -hmm. what really happened to you right mm -hmm. to get some answers and i know i can relate there's a greater sense of meaning there's something inside mm -hmm. of you that knows however when so much of the outside world is telling you otherwise it is difficult to keep moving mm -hmm. in that enlightened direction, especially as a young person. Absolutely, yeah. Environment is a big thing. And after that, like, it's not that I learned it immediately. I circled mm -hmm. a few times. I kind of blindfolded myself. Like right now I can laugh about it, but it was like, I blindfolded myself because now I'm like becoming this health scientist. I like did my, did my graduation as the best of class. You notice maybe a pattern. <laughs> Yeah, the um, performance part, right? We we yeah. find either it's a coping mechanism, but is yeah. it positive or is it serving us or not serving us? And it can be a duality in it as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, what did I? I replaced the sports with performance and education. So mm. I got probably every degree you can have uh, on a universal level. And I got into research and I burnt myself out the second time. Okay, so this is burnout number two. Yeah, because I didn't okay. learn <laughs> so far. And I blindfolded myself with, oh, you know, I'm a health scientist now. So, you know, I'm doing the right thing because I'm like focusing on health. But <laughs> I was not. And I needed definitely the second burnout to really, like it put me probably even lower. And yeah, that's what they say. In the, Only in the darkness, you acknowledge the light. And everything broke down. Like my whole identity about you have to perform and work so hard. Like this this German mentality, you know, it was all shattered. And I was like, really, back to the question, who am I if you take all this away from me? Like what is my worth now when I can't perform no more? Like I, I could not. Uh, sometimes I couldn't even like get out of bed. And I was like, who am I? Like what's left? And this was such a blessing in disguise because then all of a sudden, like knowledge came into my life, like, you know, like serendipitously, like books came into my life and um, I started meditating. I started looking deeper, even deeper, not only into health sciences, but into um, like neurosciences, like brain biology and quantum physics, like all that things that I was like, okay, what's wrong with my brain? Like, is there a way to wash it <laughs> with time? Everything had to crumble down. The old self had to completely crumble down. It's like uh, my daughter is playing with building blocks, right? If you build up a tower and you want to build new, there's no other choice than to crumble everything down. And that was basically what happened with the burnout. And like, I was really... I'm really blessed and grateful that it did happen to me because that was my opportunity to start completely fresh from the ground and to really find out who I am and to be confident in saying that today I know with 36 years old, it took me a while, I know that I can be whoever I want to be and I know that I'm worthy mm -hmm. just because I am. But that was a ride. <laughs> it's so beautiful to see you on this other side. And I know because of what you went through and you mentioned briefly, that's why you're doing the work you do today. So can we transition and talk a bit about what mm -hmm. you're doing for others? 
Yeah, sure. First of all, I share one of my biggest insights. I'm actually writing my first book about it right now. And this is what you say, like rebuilding a trust and faith in a higher order, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. What, like, I always was fascinated with how perfectly aligned nature is, like the the golden cut, you know, like everything is like symmetrical and and, and in perfect orders and like all this like holy geometrical patterns, like flowers blossom and stuff. And I really did forget that. Like I was so Mm -hmm. narrow focused in an idea of a fixed mind that like an idea that wasn't even mine just my parents and my surrounding put into my head and I totally forget like there's this divine order and I was burning out and I was hurting myself because I was trying to force outcomes Mm -hmm. I was trying to force so many things and being a woman I mean we all have like feminine and masculine qualities like even our brain a left side and a right side one side is more the creative imaginative emotional and the other half of the brain is more the logic more the masculine thing like we all have this inside but i was in this performance run i was so out of my feminine i was so out of the trust i was so into forcing and controlling things that I really had to learn the painful way that you have to maintain balance and you don't go in your backyard and like put seeds in it and after one or two days you start pulling the seeds you don't do that because then the plant is dead and you you were going nowhere but that was kind of what I did so I really like sit down and we'll we'll see where you at right now and what is your pattern where do you self-sabotage and uh, where are you out of balance in a way we figure out how to bring you back into this alignment how to sing the song of the universe and to become one with everything again because i figured that it's not working harder it's the alignment with everything that flows out there and it's nothing bad with being ambitious and I still have very big goals, but my intentions and my identity around it completely changed and I'm disconnected kind of from an ego part and I'm just like really try to be open as a kid to what opportunities lie ahead and and I choose and I know that I create my reality. This is just a way to train your brain. We'll dive in deep into all of that, how to actually change your self-concept or even start by beginning to understand your self-concept and what part you played in all of the stuff that happened to you so far and that you're not a victim of your circumstances, but that you're a very powerful creator of it. And once people understand that, that gives them back the empowerment and calls them out of depression because they realize they're not hopeless, they're not victims, and they really can go back into their driver's seat. And yeah, I'm so blessed and grateful to be able to help with that. That's beautiful. So to your point, people may be aware that something has occurred or they had an experience that doesn't serve them, 
having that understanding, the interconnectedness of what's mm -hmm. happening, the mind, right? The emotions, the spiritual aspect, the physical aspects helps with that empowerment that you mentioned. Along with the book that you're writing, I know that you do coaching work and you also work with organizations, right? And helping them kind of take performance to the next level, but you have a twist on that. So I'd love for you to talk about that as well. It is actually about not forcing success, but aligning mm. with success. It's like the art of aligning with success, what I try to teach or like share the idea of. And because what I just said about myself, that I was out of balance into a too forcing, too masculine approach, I see that in, in companies too. Mm -hmm. And we have so many people, young people these days with severe mental health issues and burning out and couldn't keep up with the pace that so much companies demand these days from their employees and with this globalization and this like everyone is exchangeable thing. And I really sit down with the leaders of these companies and really ask him like this blunt out truthful tough questions i'm like is this really the way you want to go or are we changing our idea and our self-concept of the identity of the company and what actually are your values in this company and i'll bring that back to the people and to the companies that they build a culture where like they can thrive healthy and value-based and they connect what you just said they connect every aspect and not just the mind and not just the the forcing and the the logic and the facts and the data but they try to really collaborate again they see the people in their business they they acknowledge their strength and what everyone brings to the table because it is not human resource to me, this is human potential in every company. Mm -hmm. And there's so much beauty and infinite possibilities and potential in every worker in your company. You just have to start seeing it. And that's what we basically do. I see this beautiful dance now between you being that top performer as an athlete, mm -hmm. seeing the things that weren't good, right? That aren't the things that really help you continue to sustain and be in a healthy state and seeing how that's transferable now in the work you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think like being a professional athlete and being an ambitious leader mm -hmm. is like the same breed, you know, like that's why it's so easy to transition all, all of the experience and the knowledge because they both want the same. They want to grow and thrive in their area or field they have to deal with the same pressure. So that is probably why you can transfer everything from the professional athlete side. And I'm still working with professional athletes, but mm -hmm. you can transfer it pretty well to the companies. And that's basically exactly what I do. Like sit them down and ask them again, what was your vision? What was your why? Why did you start? What is the idea? What is the value you bring? And it doesn't mean in money. Um, it really does in what's the value you bring in all areas, like in a holistic way. And um, remember them, who they really are and who they were once they started. Because I can speak from experience that it's easy <laughs> to lose yourself along the way, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, because of all the outside factors and the pressure points 
and the people pushing you further and further. So that's basically what we do. We we remember that, or even we we find a new identity and and find out what's your new north star and where where is the route you want to you want to go with. And this is such a great work because you open people's hearts with that again, and you mm-hmm. see it when their faces change and when when their eyes lit up and when their whole body posture is like turning from a from a heart straight confident man in their suit for example like and become like softens their shoulders and everything and and now we're like talking about the real important things we're not talking about money or this is all energy it's all exchangeable we're sitting down and talking about the real important things Yeah, and I love that you said that too, because at the end of the day, people want to be seen and heard any level. And when you can find a beautiful way of doing that, of acknowledging the performing side, but also the personal side, how much more right potential is really there. And it sounds like you're helping individuals also see greater possibilities and expansiveness in their Mm -hmm. identity. Because as you mentioned, right, like even with our conversation today is it's an evolution. And the more that you can open yourself to see it that way, the more you can make these adjustments, the more you can ask the questions, is this really who I am? Yeah, yes, so true what you say. And this is actually another big epiphany moment was like, even in this like competitive fields, there's so much comparison. And you look for methods and you look for people that are successful and you copy that. And then, and then you get frustrated because it didn't work with you. And mm-hmm. this is what I try to really strip off of the people. I was like, there is no such thing as comparison. Like comparison is the thief of all joy. First of all, when you stop comparing, it's just you versus you every day because there is no thing as comparison. And you can look out for methods or things that work and you can try it and that's like the big thing but you have to find your own way and there are always people trying to hold you back trying to let you play small try to dim your light I really encourage the people to believe in their potential again and open up to these huge possibilities and even no matter how old you are I don't care what race you are. I don't care if you're overweight or underweight or how old you are or what background you have. You can choose every day. Like every day is a new dawn and every morning you open up your eyes being blessed enough to have another day on this beautiful earth. You can choose who you want to be. And that's why I said that in the beginning because this is really what I believe with my with every cell of my being right now. And you have to go out there and encourage the people again, make them realize their power. That is a beautiful segue to closing out this episode. That was amazing. We I want us to <laughs> I want us to stay right there in believing that no matter what your background is, no matter where you've come from, that it is possible for you. And there are people like you and others and myself that are mm-hmm. here to help people realize that it is still possible no matter what. And I'm so grateful for your story. I'm so grateful for your courage and coming on the podcast. So thank you, sister, for being here and sharing your love and light with the world. 
You're so welcome. I'm, I feel really blessed and you're doing such an important and amazing work. And I feel very humbled and grateful to have the opportunity to share my story today. And I hope that someone's out there getting something out of it. I'm pretty sure. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode enriched your life. If so, please leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with others. Let's continue to grow together, transcend to new heights, and create a life that truly reflects who we are. I'll see you soon on another episode of Transcending Identity. Mm